Gator Nation and welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators, your team every day. I'm your host, Zach Albaverde, staff writer for the Lake City Reporter. What's up, Florida fans? Welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators. UF was victorious in the O-Dome on Tuesday night, getting a 73-59 win over the Arkansas Razorbacks. Keontae Johnson led the way with his sixth double-double of the season, 24 points, 10 rebounds. Noah Locke extended his three-point streak, and Andrew Nemhard had 17 points, including 12 in the last 13 minutes. We will have Graham Hall from the Gainesville Sun on tomorrow's show to recap that game and discuss where Florida Hoops is at heading into Saturday's matchup at Kentucky. But on today's show, we're going to be joined by Sam Spiegelman from Rivals.com to get some more perspective on five-star running back Zach Evans. There's no one out there that has covered him as much as Sam, so he will give us a rundown of his recruitment and also discuss how the Gators have done in the state of Texas and the state of Louisiana. Here is my conversation with Sam this week. We now welcome in Sam Spiegelman from Rivals.com the new South Central recruiting analyst covering Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. Sam and I go way back from our SEC country days, and we're going to have him on right now to talk about Florida recruiting and what they've been doing in the state of Texas and Louisiana, making some noise in Sam's stomping grounds. Sam, welcome into Lockdown Gators, my friend. How's it going? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Obviously, with the last two classes for Florida and then What's going on right now? Still with the 2020 cycle because it's not over. Some big names out there. We got some things to talk about. Let's start it off with number one, Zachary Evans. Still unsigned. Still the wild recruitment. And I don't think anybody has covered it and maybe been closer to it than you. And I know at this point everybody's kind of up in arms about where he's going to end up, how things are going to play out. But I did want to bring you on, Sam, just to kind of give our listeners some perspective on Zachary Evans because he's kind of new on Florida's radar. Maybe some fans aren't as familiar with him other than, unfortunately, some of the negative headlines and wild recruiting stories that they've heard. So take us back to when you first met Zachary, and then you can kind of take us through his recruitment to to get us where we are now. Yeah, so the first time I got to see Zach Evans uh, in person, he was just going into his freshman year at North Shore High School, which is obviously – Two times defending state champions for, for the state of Texas. Obviously, football is king there. So for him to be a part of that team, one of the best coaching staffs, best football programs in all the state, all the country. And Zach has been the face of that program for, for going on four years. He is undoubtedly one of the best prospects I have ever seen up close in person. The person I compare him to is Aaron Jones on the Green Bay Packers. And I know it's kind of like an off-comparison, you know, Aaron Jones came from UTEP and is, I don't even think people talk about him as one of the better running backs in the NFL, but the, the amount of different ways that Zach can beat you, running the football, catching the football, he is powerful, he's explosive, he's fast, he's tough, he's twitchy, he does so many different things right. Um, I mean, he's got plays on his high school tape that would remind some of Reggie Bush, He's that much of a difference maker where you want to build an offense around him and he can do so many different things. He's got shades of, like, I say Aaron Jones because of that Packers offense and, and how, you know, they have a quarterback who's mobile like Aaron Rodgers and they still find ways to get their running back involved. 
And every time he touches the ball, he has a threat to take it to the house. He's so special. He's so he's such a different kind of running back that we're so used to seeing on Friday nights. And I know that he's had some off-the-field concerns, and he's had definitely the wildest recruitment that I've ever been a part of covering. But make no mistake about it, his skill set is off the charts. And he just kind of reminded people of that a few weeks ago at Under Armour in Orlando. Zach Evans is the real deal. He is the king of Texas when it comes to the rankings. And even though he's had this off-the-field baggage that, you know, you can't ignore, if and when he settles down at a school, he is going to be a difference maker as soon as he takes the field. And, Sam, when you first got to know Zach, can you just kind of speak to how he was off the field, his personality, and then just what was it like to see him blow up as a recruit? And, and maybe you kind of saw it coming early on. Yeah, it was, it was no surprise that once his, his freshman year was over, every school came in. LSU was his first offer, um, and I was on the LSU beat at the time, so I, I definitely paid close attention with Zach. But within the first couple of months of his recruitment, LSU, Florida, Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Alabama, Ohio State, USC, every school in the country eventually got an offer into Zach. He's, you know, he's that kind of can't-miss prospect. Every, every kid is, is very anxious for the first couple of offers, and, and, and then they start waiting for the offers that they're waiting on, right? And as a kid from Houston, he's anxious for Texas A&M and Texas and, and Oklahoma, and then, you know, you get the national schools like Georgia and Bama, Ohio State, um, and that all comes with the, the comes with the territory of an elite running back in, in 2020. In terms of his character, you know, I think the biggest thing that kind of set Zach back a little bit you know, he's in the state of Texas, and there is a lot of recruiting media around him, right? And when you have a prospect of his caliber, and he's constantly in the headlines, and he's constantly the, the topic of conversation online and social media and on message boards, there tends to be a lot of information, and whether it's all accurate or not, or people like to spread rumors, I think that takes a toll eventually. A lot of people in Texas, you know, want to create a narrative that he's going to end up one of the in-state schools or they want to create a narrative he's going to end up here or there, and, and so be it. Zach has never shied away from doing interviews or telling the truth, and he's at a program where the access is really it's easy to get. But I think a lot of people kind of curb their narrative to fit, you know, certain expectations, and I think that kind of weighed on Zach over the years. I mean, like I said, he got his first offer after his freshman season, and it was just more and more of the same after that, which means every time he got a Florida offer, he had the Florida media reaching out. And you have that on top of Texas and Texas A&M and LSU and Alabama and Georgia and Oklahoma. It's going to take its toll after a while, as it would on any teenager. And I think that there became a, a distrust factor between him and certain members of the media. And then when access was limited, they had to continue to try to pump out information about his visits and if he was leaning somewhere at different points in his recruitment. And, listen, if false information is being spread on anybody, for a while it's just hard to contain and hard to, like, verify what's true about you and, and what isn't true about you. And I think that Zach, you know, for a teenager, didn't handle it the best that he could. And maybe you can blame that on the adults in his life, not – helping him through that as, as well as they should have, potentially. But after years and years of all these rumors, and or, or maybe they're not just rumors, but too much informa information being leaked, it just got to a point where there, there wasn't really a great relationship with the media. And 
everything he did because there was so much mystique around it became amplified. So I, I don't think that Zach is a bad kid by any means. I think there are certainly off-the-field concerns about him and maybe his maturity, as there are for a lot of 18-year-old kids in the country that have to go through this process. At the same token, you know, if and when he lands at a school and lives on campus, he picks a coaching staff where there's a, a mutual trust and a, a strong foundation in place where he really feels like he can succeed and thrive in a certain uh, atmosphere. Would I be surprised if he turned out to be a, a Heisman Trophy candidate in two years? Like, absolutely not. The thing about Zach is, is getting in with, with people he's comfortable around and with, with people he can trust and kind of believe that they have the best in mind for him and his future and help him get to that point. There are some hoops to jump through for sure, but I don't think they need to like make any profound statements on he'll never succeed or, you know, he'll never make it with his off the field issues because I don't think that that's true yet. Sam, let's dive into his recruitment a little bit. You called it one of the wildest ones that you've ever covered. Before we talk about Florida and how we've gotten to this point with the Gators, can you just kind of run us through what happened the last month or so of his recruitment, the secret signing with Georgia, the week that he had at Under Armour and all the things that he kind of spoke out about with his recruitment, and then the decision pulling out of that letter of intent and now trying to find a new school? Yeah, so, I mean, probably the first crazy thing that happened in Zach's recruitment was when he wanted to release his, his finalists, and that came – toward the end of the spring, close to the summer, in about May of 2019. And he released his final five, I believe it was Alabama, Georgia, A&M, LSU, Ohio State, Oklahoma. And everyone's eyebrows were raised because there was a feeling that Texas might have been the leader at a certain point in the spring. Um, I know that he really wanted a Clemson offer, um, but that never came through because they ended up moving from DeMarcus Bowman, uh, from your neck in the woods. And Zach just, he loves to be kind of the, the unpredictable guy, right, to do to go against the green. So excluding Texas, in fact, he might have excluded Texas A&M. Um, and he, so he excluded the in-state schools in favor of these SEC West schools in Georgia and Ohio State, Oklahoma, which he wasn't even communicating with. And basically that had us literally within a month to visit to Texas and Texas A&M that June. As that progressed, September 5th, he was supposed to commit to Georgia. Georgia did a really great job of, of getting him on campus over the summer and kind of assuring him that him and Kendall Milton would be a dynamic one-two punch of five stars from California and Texas. Del McGee is obviously one of the best running back coaches in the country. Georgia has a rich running back tradition. But that commitment never came to fruition. You know, the story was pre-written on Rivals.com. With quotes, he was going to honor his grandfather, who had recently passed away. Um, and we never really got a, an answer to why he never pulled the trigger on that commitment until we learned that he had actually been suspended from his high school team um, after their week one loss to local powerhouse, Katy High School. So Zach had a multi-week suspension from the team. Uh, he eventually rejoined and played uh, really well to finish out the regular season, but didn't really play to the postseason, uh, which, which, of course, brings us to never committing to Georgia, and then almost committing to LSU after his official visit there for the Auburn game. There was definitely speculation that he was supposed to commit that weekend of his official visit. I know that he had little edits made for the LSU commitment, 
That also never came through, but he did tell the LSU staff that he would be their running back of the future for 2020. Again, no 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 commitment, which made us think that, okay, well, maybe we should expect something in December at the early signing period. He did not sign that Wednesday, and instead he announced he was going to announce at the Under Armour game. According to my, my sources at North Shore High School, it turns out he did fax in a letter of intent to the University of Georgia that final day of the early signing period, that Friday. As I reported it, I tried to keep the school that he signed with as private as possible, hinting that LSU, Texas A&M, and Georgia were the only three schools that were in the mix after Alabama had signed Jason McClellan out of Alito, flipping him from Oklahoma. To make a long story short, Zach had a change of heart. <laughs> Uh, between signing that Friday of the early signing period and his announcement that Thursday of the Under Armour game and was working to get released from his letter of intent, and Georgia actively did not want him. I was told that some people on the Georgia staff wanted Zach Evans. They felt that they could, you know, make the most of this very rich talent. But Kirby Smart was a little bit reluctant to it, eventually leading for them to part ways. In January, he took officials to Tennessee, and to Ole Miss, and actually was considering taking official visits to USC and Georgia on the final weekend before the second signing period. Turns out he made it to Tennessee. He made it to Ole Miss. He never made it to Florida or Georgia or USC. Instead, he's, he's just kind of going through the process at the moment. But, again, just a very interesting, long-winding recruitment. He's come close to doing these things, or he's told coaches the right things. But there's been these kind of shady, off-the-record incidents with high school coaching staffs and college coaching staffs where he's had a change of heart, and we're just kind of left with the uncertainty of it all, not really knowing what his intentions are and what he's actually going to do next. I don't think there's anyone on God's green earth that can <laughs> run down that <laughs> than you just did, so you should be patting yourself on the back. That, that was that was a job well done, my friend. It's more information than I should ever know, but, I mean, you have to know the full, all the facts to tell the full story of Zach Evans. That's why we brought you on, so you could give our listeners that perspective. And now let's get to the Gators. Talk about when you first heard of Florida getting in the mix. What do you think about him reportedly setting up a visit to Florida and how this could play out here down the stretch. Yeah, I had heard heard about Florida making a push in January, and not only that they were making a push, but there was a decent amount of confidence coming from the Florida coaching staff, which, you know, like as I just went over the track record of Zach, for any coaching staff to have confidence, it speaks volumes about just how, about what's going on behind the scenes and what he's hearing from whether it's Zach Evans or his camp or his, you know, high school coach staff. But, you know, around the time of Penny and Ole Miss visits is the same time that Florida was a school that kept popping up as, as one of the teams in contention for that final visit. Um, I know that they were working really hard for Jameer Gibbs, who wound up sticking with Georgia Tech. And I know that they really liked the shot Clayton from Warren Easton, who was committed to Colorado and signed there. You know, when you think about, think about all the great running backs that have come through, and for them to be kind of lacking that elite running back in, in the SEC, it is a bit of a head-scratcher. To have confidence in Zach Evans at that time was a little bit hard for me to fully digest. 
Um, and then when he didn't make the visit, I, I honestly wasn't surprised. But, you know, now that they missed on two of their running back targets at National Signing Day, for them to circle back to, obviously, he's the number one running back on rivals for a reason. For them to circle back, you have members of the staff. I mean, a, a guy like Tim Brewster, who recruited the heck out of Houston and Texas, and he has relationships at North Shore High School and with the people associated with Zach Evans. It's not surprising whatsoever. And, you know, Dan Mullen obviously knows that he needs a running back in this cycle, you know, one of the more creative offensive coaches in the entire country. I think that there is reason to believe that, you know, the field is it's not five or ten or 15 teams trying to get in the Zach Evans sweepstakes anymore. We're talking about enough teams to count on one hand. I think Florida has to be considered, and the only other school that I really have heard any sort of confidence out of has been Ole Miss. And I know that he has a relationship with Lane Kiffin dating back to Kiffin's time at Alabama. But right now, if you're looking at a more fitting location, I mean, Ole Miss did miss on a lot of guys National Signing Day. Obviously, so did Florida, even though they had their hits as well. But you're talking about an ideal landing spot. I think Florida makes a good chunk of sense when when you consider all the factors. Are there any predictions on Rivals.com right now for Zach Evans to Florida? I honestly, I have not checked because as recently as January, I had split my pick. Because at the beginning of the month, I probably should have mentioned, I was very confident he was going to land at at Texas A&M. Probably around MLK Day, I I had a really good source telling me that there there was a spot waiting for Zach Evans at A&M. It was all but a done deal. And basically within a week, I had flipped that from Georgia and then back to Ole Miss, from back to A&M, and I don't even know what my prediction is currently on, Zach. Mike Farrell, he came out this week, and as of now, he is, I don't know if he's officially predicting, but he's seems to be thinking that UF is the most likely landing spot at this time, currently, for Zach Evans. I'm not going to ask you to make a official prediction as of right now, if you had to wager anyone, who would it be? I still think that Ole Miss is in this race, and I definitely think that down the stretch that that's the only other team right now that I have even seen come across my my radar that's still interested in Zach Evans besides Florida. And listen, if, if the godfather of rivals is saying Florida, and there's all this momentum out of Gainesville that they're, they're still in the Zach Evans sweepstake and that's the only place he currently has a visit lined up for, I think that's enough evidence that, at least in the moment, that you need to kind of really consider. And listen, I'm on my way home right now. I'm going to put my pick in for Florida. And the only thing I do every time I've changed my pick, which has been very frequently when it comes to Mr. Evans, is that it's just a fluid situation. It's nothing to lock up and and take to, to Vegas. There is not a lot of confidence in me saying it. But when you look at the, if you look in the simplest form, he already has a visit lined up to Florida. There has and currently is some confidence coming out of Florida, and he does have to he does have to make a decision. That is a, a, a surefire thing that we need to know. I think that's all you need to know to, to somewhat confidently say that Florida is probably the front runner with Ole Miss running second and not to be discounted just yet. We just got a ton of knowledge from Sam Spiegelman at Arrivals.com. Sam, thank you so much. Before we let you go, I do want to have you touch on Florida's recruiting in the state of Texas and the state of Louisiana. Let's start with the Lone Star State first. In the 2020 class, the Gators got three signees 
from Texas. Can you just speak to the job that they've done there and probably the biggest deal that they got in the 2020 class? Yeah, you know, honestly, I think first and foremost, a lot of credit has to go out to, uh, to Torian Gray, who is just an absolute excellent recruiter for Florida going into Texas where I'm, I'm still somewhat new to, to the state and, and just the, the battleground that Texas is. But, you know, Tom Herman is an excellent recruiter, and he puts really great assistant coaches on that. The same goes for Jimbo Fisher, who I'm sure a lot of your listeners obviously recall in his time at Florida State. They not only recruit nationally, but they try to get their guys in state, and Texas A&M did a fantastic job of recruiting the state of Texas in 2020 under Jimbo Fisher. And then Oklahoma also does an absolutely fantastic job of getting into the Lone Star State and plucking guys that they're really high on. So for Torian Gray to go in, I think Avery Helm was a good, you know, he's a great early commitment to add to your class. He's a track star, super, super athletic, super long, super rangy, super short area quickness. I loved his junior film enough that he was a top 250 kid. Um, He suffered some injuries, and we didn't get to see him in spring ball or half a senior year. But I know that LSU and Georgia really liked him uh, early on in the process, and he was high on both those schools. And Georgia was even knocking on the door really late down the stretch. So for Torian Gray to keep him in the loop, I think that says a lot about Florida and how much of an impression they made on him, not just when it counted, but throughout his entire recruitment. And that speaks volumes about Coach Gray and Coach Mullen. And then what Torian Gray did with Jahari Rogers, who – was one of my favorite players. I think he finished a top 10 prospect in the state when it was all said and done. You know, early on it was Oklahoma and LSU for Jahari, and then Texas made him a priority. And leading into the week of his decision, I heard mostly confidence out of the Texas side that commitment was coming. So for him to kind of turn heads with that commitment to Florida, be very confident, he never wavered. He was a kid that once he committed that July, he was completely on board. Torian Gray, again, deserves the, the lion's share of the credit for that. And he went into Texas and got two speedy, athletic, kind of like athletic freak guys that are going to test out of the waters. So those are those are, those are two excellent guys, the two of the best DBs in the state. And Human Mealin was arguably the biggest surprise that I encountered on signing day a couple of weeks ago. I think that if Coach Rule did not go to the Panthers, the state of Baylor, he would have elected to stay home and play for Baylor. But... Coach Turner, who has also done an excellent job in the D-line coach of Florida, to go into Austin, be out Texas and Baylor for a kid that probably wanted to stay home or close to home and pull out one of the biggest national signing day surprises with a really talented defensive end like Prince William and Meehlin, you have to give him credit where credit's due. And that was not an easy recruiting battle to win. And, I mean, when you pull off one of the National Signing Day Shockers, you, you deserve that credit. So I think that, you know, hats off to the Florida staff. It's not easy to go into Texas and get those recruiting wins, and they each had something to put on their resume uh, this past February. Final thing for you, Sam. Obviously, we got to touch on Louisiana. You and I have talked about the Gators in that state for several years, and it didn't stop once Dan Mullen took over. The Gators have continued to make noise there, and your base out of New Orleans – where the Gators were able to go in and get Kimbrough, and then in the 2020 class, they landed Jalen Lee. Can you just speak to how Florida has continued to have a presence there and how important that is? Because if you don't think it's important, 
to get the talent out of the state of Louisiana as the LSU Tigers. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'll always say that Chester was definitely one of the biggest gets for Florida coming into the booth. We spoke a little bit off the air about, you know, Brad Stewart is such a phenomenal football player. And I, you know, as like I said, as my time on the LSU beat, being a guy from New Orleans, Brad Stewart is one of the best high school football players I have ever seen up close and personal. And I know that it took him a while to get the LSU offer because they had to get his 40 time down. But I'm pretty sure that the LSU coaches forgot about what his 40 time was when he picked them off a couple of years ago in Gainesville and ended up beating LSU. Uh, I think that was in 2018. It just shows you what kind of ball hawk. And he's always been like that. He's always been an exceptional football player. Uh, But Chester, you know, he was always a Florida lean. That was one of the schools that saw the talent in him early on before he really started to blow up and draw the attention of Alabama and Georgia. And then eventually he landed LSU offer when he went to camp and absolutely showed what he showed Friday night in the the fall the, the previous year. I know that Florida fans and probably the coaches as well got nervous once he got that LSU offer. But for him to continue following his heart, following his relationship that he had built with the Gators staff and picking Florida over LSU, it really wasn't much of a decision. I think it was short-lived momentum with LSU, and then he kind of refocused and realized Florida was his best bet. And uh, honestly, what I've heard this spring has been some really positive stuff out Chester maybe seeing the field this year for, for Florida in a bigger role, which is really exciting for them. Jalen Lee, you know, again, you need to give credit to, to Coach David Turk. In about October, he had already committed to LSU. LSU had garnered a lot of momentum over the summer, getting a lot of commitments from the in-state kids. And Jalen Lee obviously lives just a couple of minutes outside of Baton Rouge. He's got family ties to LSU. That was cool that he had visited so much and was so familiar with and Probably his mom wanted him there, um, truth be told. But he really didn't love the way that LSU recruited him after he went on board in their class. And, you know, something I like to talk about with kids is the way that a school recruits you before you commit and then the job they do after you commit. And Jalen Lee, for, for his purposes, LSU kind of dropped the bag after he committed. You know, maybe they had their focus on other defensive linemen outside the state. Um, you know, LSU recruited very nationally in 2020. As much as Coach O does like to lock down the borders of his own state, they were able as the national champs to go out and recruit California and Georgia and, you know, all different parts of the country we're not used to talking about with LSU. And they kind of dropped the bag with Jalen, who is such a beast of a, of a gap filler, a space eater. Um, and he's going to do that in Florida as your prototypical two-gap eater for the Gators. And David Turner was just so consistent. And uh, I never, really never got to publish a lot about Jalen because he really wanted a lot of his stuff to stay off the record. But he wanted to commit in, in October because he was so unpleased with the way that LSU recruited him compared to Alabama, Georgia, and Florida, which continued to stay in his ear and really make their presence felt. And one TD committed, um, I believe it was about a month later in November, Florida, to him, was the obvious choice. He just wanted to make that visit down there. And I think that he's just such a – I don't think that his get was as colossal compared to Kimbrough because of all the pressure that Kimbrough was under. But for Florida to kind of slip in behind Alabama and Georgia's back and poach on Jalen, the skin that he backed off that LSU commitment, 
he really didn't give anyone else a, a shot to turn around and, and make their push for a four-star defensive tackle. They were ready. They had already built up their clout. I think he's got to spend some time in the weight room and get back to the shape that he was in during his junior year when he was an absolute menace. But he's someone that I actually definitely see playing in Florida, whether he's a rotational guy or he can earn a starting job in a year or two. Once he gets his body right, people are going to love to see him fog up holes and running lanes for, uh, for Florida for years to come. Appreciate Sam for joining us on today's show and giving us so much knowledge and perspective. On tomorrow's show, we will be joined by Graham Hall from the Gainesville Sun to talk Florida hoops. Make sure you stay tuned to Locked on Gators, your team every day.